Welcome back to Sober Grind. This is a podcast dedicated to helping you better understand addiction and recovery. My name is Austin and I'm your co-host along with Pesh. Today, we're going to be talking about interventions, enabling, and whether homelessness can actually save the addict's life. There's a lot of really good stuff in this episode, so I hope that you enjoy it. Let's get into it. Pesh, have you had a chance to check out the new Sober Grind website yet? And good morning, Christine. Good morning, everyone. I have not. I have heard that we are... Shame on you. You know what? I need a link. I always say this. Sobergrind.com. Send me a link. Oh, okay. In that case, yeah, I'll check it out. Awesome. What's going on? Let's talk. Not too much. So welcome back, everyone, to Sober Grind. Today we have uh, Pej pro- uh, proposed a, a really great uh, topic. Uh, I'll let you introduce it, but we're going to talk about uh, interventions. So do you want to dive a little bit deeper on, on what the actual topic is that you wanted to talk about? Sure. We uh, want to talk about interventions today and, and um, obviously the effectiveness of it, but also when it comes down to setting ultimatums for people during an intervention, like sometimes the family members um, are asked to give the person, you know, their, their loved one um, an ultimatum. Like you either get help or you got mm-hmm. treats or you lost all support. And sometimes there's a lot of family members that will either fold, they'll get scared, they'll be fearful. Um, they wouldn't know what to do if their loved one is out on the streets or homeless or not getting their support. Now that can come, that, there's a lot of different reasons that can happen, but um, why they get that way. But also, um, um, is it even proper to uh, recommend that that needs to happen? I mean, can the, can the people be a complete danger to themselves if, if they're out of the streets? Like how effective can that actually be when somebody is led to uh, having to, rather than choosing treatment or getting help or getting the help that they need for their addiction or their mental health, to put them out on the streets. So I think it's just a really important topic and subject to talk about. Yeah, good one. So um, what made you what made you want to talk about this today? Any any particular things that, that led to this or is just something you think needs Definitely. to be said more? What made me want to talk about is that in the last two weeks I've had six interventions um mm. and they were all interesting there was m- many different kinds let me just say this right now yesterday i had an intervention with the family with actually a guy uh, a man in his early 50s that was part of a uh, family that the intervention was so powerful and so good so good and it's like the man was already self-supporting and he had his own place and he didn't really he could have said, no, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm headed for the hills. The whole family thought this guy's going to be totally angry, right? They thought, like, he's not going to go for it. He's going to yell at you, blah, blah, blah. So, like, we're all waiting there. We're with the family. And all of a sudden, um, I just remember his daughter was there, right? So the guy, the second he walked into the room, he knew exactly what he was walking into. So he was already, like, he, he just said, I already know. I'm ready. But um, but people wow. wanted to read letters, so they read letters. and. That was his sister yeah. and his mom. They read the letters to him. But um, the most powerful part of the whole intervention, was, he, the guy had already agreed to go and everything. But um, the daughter turned to him and just said, I want my dad back. And, and the way she said it, it was so heartfelt. Like, I, yeah. he, the tears just started bursting out of this guy's eyes. And the whole family was in tears. And I just stood over in the corner. I was like, let him do the thing. This is powerful. This is, this is uh, you know, this is, uh, God working in, 
in his own way and letting me just observe and see like uh, a family come together and try yeah. to help their loved one. Sure enough, came to treatment. Now, however, you know, a week ago, uh, I was doing another intervention and, and um, some would see this as a fail because the person didn't come with me, but the person decided they, they wanted to kind of go out and do things their own, not not have the family be part of their life. Now, this is obviously not desperate enough yet, but hopefully, God willing, eventually that person will be ready to when when they're at the end of their rope. So back to the topic of what we're talking about here. So more often than none, I would get certain people, certain families that they're just afraid for your life that if, uh, if, the, if their loved one doesn't want to go to treatment and they give them the ultimatum and they follow through. Right? Like yesterday, basically, when I told the family that it was a success, the father said, I can't do that. I can't, you know, I'm not going to cut them off. Like, there's no way. I can't, right? And, uh, and I get that. Like, they, they feel like they have to still be there for them and they wouldn't know it any other way. However, um, what's the difference between somebody who's do, doing drugs or using drugs in your house, you know, right under your roof or drinking and, um, you know, slowly committing suicide within your house? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, we, we talk a lot about uh, enabling on here, and that, that certainly is uh, enabling behavior. It's major enabling behavior. So if you're harboring an addict or an alcoholic in your house, and that person's actively using or drinking, what's the difference of them doing it in your house where they, have, where they don't have to pay for much or they don't have to, you know, you're basically taking care of everything for them, and you're kind of just providing a space for them to, to get to use and drink. So... What's it going to take? Like, if the person goes out on the streets, they have their, their they don't have the resources like they do in your house. Not to say like they're yeah. and as an interventionist, we have to be very sensitive. Hi, Shireen. Um, hi, Lynn. Uh, hello, Rod. Some of my favorite people are on here right now. Um, uh, hey, Michael, too. As an interventionist, we have to be very here. careful in choosing our words wisely. Like, I can't tell people you must do this. If you don't do this, then you're screwing up. I can't tell them that. I can tell them yeah. what I would do. I can tell them what I would recommend. I can tell them what's good for them, but I can't tell people what to do. So obviously, like, you're going to get, like, the helicopter mom or dad, the hovering ones, or the ones that have to always make sure that they are um, keeping an eye on them and making sure that they're... They think that they're, they're making sure that they're, they're staying safe. But truth be told, if a heroin addict out on the streets, first of all, he's got to go into survival mode and find a place to actually survive, stay, right? Yeah. So if he's sleeping on the streets or she's, or she's um, staying in her car or in some alleyway, which most parents, that's where their head goes. They think, like, this person is just sleeping on the streets. In most cases, more cases than none, if somebody's in active addiction and they're out on the streets, they're not really looking for shelter. They're looking for for a place to go and do drugs. So they either have so-called friends, they have the dealer, or they have places where they can go use. Um, if it's like major homelessness to where they're like living as a homeless person and acclimating to the street, and they made that way a way of life, then sure, maybe they live in a tent on Skid Row or whatnot. But, but regardless of the fact, they're still in active addiction. So what's the difference if they're dying in your house or if they're dying on the street? Um, I, I feel sometimes people need to hit their bottom. You know, and I, I've always said, like, every bottom has a trap door because there's so many times when yeah. I've been homeless or I've been in jails or institutions or 
near-death experiences but that you should I should have woke up in all those experiences but until I actually was cut off by the family to the point where I knew that I could not lean back in on and get my way back with them and come back to their house or the, the locks were changed or you know until like that that barrier was put up like a strong strong barrier to where there was not even I wasn't even allowed to make a phone call to my mother yeah that's when I realized like I I'm on my own and the only way I'm going to be able to do this if I quit you know if I quit yeah. and get the help like the way I, I need to I even tried to call and and get the help and my mom all she said was I cut you off I already told you do not call me if you want help call this number and it was a number of a professional who actually put me another professional and I got the help that I needed so I can often yeah. the interventions use that as an example of this is my experience. This is what happened with me. This is how it went down. This is why it went down. This is why you have this man that sits before you as someone that's happy to be alive and help you with your issue because it's what worked for me. Now, does that work for everybody? I don't know. Sometimes we have to be very careful if we like, directly tell a family member, like, you just need to kick him out on the streets. Well, if that kid goes out there and decides that he can't handle the streets and he can't come home and suddenly he purposely commit suicide well i mean i don't want i don't need the family to come and say you told us to kick him out you know so i have to choose my words wisely i have to choose my actions wisely i can tell them this is what you said in place. this is what i would do if they follow suit and they follow through with it then um, whatever happens you know, not on my hands yeah so i i I want to dive a little deeper in here. So um, firstly, if anyone is, is watching uh, live right now or afterwards, if you have any questions about uh, interventions uh, to any degree, let us know in the comments. Uh, we'd be happy to answer them for you. Um, if this is your first time checking out Sober Grind, this is a uh, addiction recovery sober podcast where we just provide you with tons of really helpful information about how you can help yourself and help your loved ones uh, in recovery and overcome drug and alcohol addiction. We've got, Pesh, I want you to know something. We have some very powerful people that are on the show right now. Rod, he's, he's been around, as he says right here, 30 years, 1,106 interventions. Wow. Yeah. I think we need to get him on the show anyway. He's a great guy. Um, we should. Let's do actually, it. He used to be on the show intervention. So, um, he's, oh, wow. he's well, world renowned. He's, he's amazing at what he does. Um, very, very good at what he does. And he's always doing interventions too. And then Lynn right there, Lynn is a good lady. Lynn and I work together very closely. Her daughter's in recovery. He's got over two years of sobriety, if I'm not mistaken. And, um, and she's always great. talking to parents and, and coaching them. And actually we've worked on some cases more recently where she, she kind of handles the parents and I kind of handle the addict or alcoholic. Gotcha. Yeah, we also have a, a great uh, recovery group. Some of these professionals are, are in there already. Uh, there's a ton of other great um, uh, professionals in there. It's a great uh, support group. It's called Sober Grind. You can check it out on Facebook. Just search Sober Grind. Uh, it's also in the description of this. You can find the link to that support group uh, and get some help. Uh, but, Pej, to dive a little bit deeper in here, so is I, I'm sure this varies person to person, but is there kind of a, a timeline? So say you're you're cut off completely. Your parents cut you off. There's the they change the locks on the door. Uh, they they won't pick up your phone numbers. You're blocked. How long does it typically take that person to 
to realize like, all right, I actually need to get the help or is this, is it too broad it varies, and too It varies. Too I mean, the ego is a fascinating uh, yeah. thing to behold. There's many different people from many different walks of life. So like some people are just not homeless material. So they, they just, they're not the types that could, um, they will not be on the streets for long. Like I know there's certain people that I've worked with that they won't last a day or two out on the streets. They just won't. Right. That just like I know some people that are not jail material, like they go to jail and they're yeah. scared for dear life. And there's some people that that do just fine on the streets. There's some people that mm -hmm. like they they become street people. They say those are my people out there on the streets. Like so it depends, you know, it varies like that. I can't put an exact amount of time, but I know that at some point or another, in more cases than none, if somebody's on the streets for long enough and they do know that they have loving family members that will only support them if they're getting completely sober and staying completely sober. And I don't mean to support them financially. I mean, like, support them in the, in the sense of if they need to go to treatment, they can help them with the treatment process or at least paying for, like, a month or two in sober living. If they can't even – they don't have insurance or they have no money for treatment, at least putting in sober living and then expecting them to – uh, get a job and start becoming self-supporting or only helping them for a certain amount of time. Because you don't want to continue to enable them in the recovery process because then you right. take advantage of that too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Cheyenne here says, I've uh, been sober since June and still working on it. Congrats, job, Cheyenne. Cheyenne. That's amazing. Awesome. Um, Pej, I'm, I'm sure there's some uh, some key questions that you recommend if, if someone – wants uh, to hire an interventionist for their family or just wants to talk to them. What are some, uh, what's some advice that you recommend parents ask the actual interventionist uh, before they actually set up the intervention? Well, there's so many things. I mean, they could, they could definitely check with the interventionist to see what they're all about and see, you know, what their experience is and um, what's to expect. You know, and what's not to expect. Also, just to um, to remember that interventions, just because they don't always go down the way that they're supposed to in the very beginning, doesn't mean that they're not successful. The fact is, sometimes um, the interventionist, as a, as a good interventionist, you can let them know that just because it doesn't work out on the first try, uh, doesn't mean that it's over. You know, like yeah. I continue to work on cases if. Like, for example, I mean, I just did one the other day, and the, the, the person didn't even want to talk. They just wanted to talk to one family member. They did. They said everything, they did, and they got up, and they left. They said, I looked scary. Like, I, I looked creepy. That's what the word they said. Wow. So I have to let that go. Hey, Andrew just joined us. What's up, Andrew? Yes. So <laughs> uh, in, in doing that, like, uh, it's not like I've given up on the case. I just know that right now that person needs to go and run their life into the ground and Hopefully, eventually, we bring them around and we help them get the help that they're needing. That's what the family would like, ideally. That's what I would like, ideally. It's not like we just turn our back on them. So um, I don't think any intervention is a failure. You know what I mean? I think at that point, mm. even the onset, the first one, if you really have to do it, you're at least letting that person know that um, the family's concerned about you. They've sought professional help. They've, they're coming to try to intervene on uh, whatever you're doing in your life that's not uh, working out to your benefit and, and then it's time to get help, you know, and if you're ready now, you're ready. If not, then hopefully when you're ready, you'll let us know. So right now that, uh, that person has my information and they can get a hold of me when they need to. But, uh, at this point, the family has to back away. 
and they got to back away. If the family keeps their hands and everything and keeps on talking to them or keeps on communicating with them or keeps uh, sending money, then it, it's not going to work out because that person's getting what they need in order to nurture their uh, active addiction. Yeah. I want to get into kind of some of the, the fine lines here, and I'm sure everything is, is case by case, but so say a parent cuts off their addicted loved one. Yeah. Okay. They, they cut them off. They're not allowed to live there. They change the locks on the doors, phone numbers, uh, financial situation um, to whatever extent. Yes. The person hits rock bottom. They get treatment. They relapse. That person then tries to go back to the parents. Should the parents remain strong or should they try and get more help? You know, say they, they cut them off they should and they actually got help. This is what I encourage many parents to do, all parents to do, or just loved ones of the person that's the said uh, addict or alcoholic. Just as much as they would like for them to be in recovery, they should be engulfed in their own recovery process. Their recovery process of being recovered from the fact that they're addicted to making sure that their kids are good. And, and, uh, and they themselves should be going to their own 12-step meetings and working on themselves and still creating those boundaries. It, at some point, you have to be, and it's really hard because I know parents love their kids so much, they live for their kids, they would die for their kids. But is that any way to live when your kid keeps on going and getting high or drunk and is, is pretty much a selfish and self-centered drug addict or alcoholic that would keep going back? to that lifestyle is that is that is that how you want you want to keep suffering as a parent or a loved one i mean most people would rather or at least continue to keep trying to fix um if if it was my kid i'll tell you this right now if i had to intervene or get an interventionist by rod left um if that was the case i would just you know i'd say listen this is where i stand with, with helping you in this process you either listen to this man, you get the help from this man, and you go a woman, and you go into treatment, and then over the period of time, like if something happens again, like you're on your own. This is your recovery. Like if you, yeah. if you want to continue being in recovery, you do so. If you relapse, you you fall down, you bruise your knee, you get back up, and if you need to get the help that you need to get, then get it. You know, you've already like learned at this point some of the tools, but I can't continue to hover or think, oh, oh my God, they got better. No. You never know. Some people get better and then they go back again. Some people get yeah. better and they continue doing recovery. And some people just exist in recovery and aren't really doing the work. So it's not up to me as a parent or a, or a person that that uh, has a loved one or a qualifier to uh, to just decide, well, since that all went down good, now I, I'm good, we're all good, nothing to worry about anymore. You know, I'm not saying like you have to continue to keep worrying because a lot of parents still keep worrying depending on somebody's behaviors or attitudes. But what are you doing differently as a loved one or a parent uh, for your loved one in, in making sure that you don't go back to enabling? Yeah, I want to highlight uh, a couple of these comments here. And then I have kind of a specific question for you. Um, but so Lynn says here, if nothing changes, then nothing changes. Absolutely true. Uh, John Tyron. Uh, Tryon says, uh, coming up on 20 months clean and sober. Congrats, John. That's amazing. Uh, I have worked in treatment for a year and start a new facility on Wednesday. Awesome. Love Sober Grind. Thank you. I uh, love hearing about what works and what doesn't. Bless you guys. Thank you so much, John. I really appreciate that. Sarita says, thank you for all you do. It's all a process and sounds like you made good progress that is deeply appreciated. 
Cheyenne asks, how do you not relapse? Did you, do you want to get into that, Pesh? How do you not relapse? That's an awesome um, I was just talking to a kid right now that's a uh, chronic relapser. He's been in and out of lots of, but he graduated the Salvation Army and he just relapsed again and he's in our detox actually right now. Um, how do you not relapse? You work a program of action, program of recovery. The same way that I would do drugs and alcohol, it was recommended to me to do recovery that way, meaning that I go to any lengths. I will go above and beyond to make sure that my recovery is secure, strong, embrace, I embrace, I embrace it. It's the most important thing for me in my whole life because, I, you know, that's just what I, I believe in my heart of hearts is that a person that's in recovery, they can get a lot of good things back that are tangible, material items, right? The car, the house, the girlfriend, the boyfriend, the job, all these things. But if you don't have recovery, you can lose all that very, very easily. So it needs to be mm. the number one thing. It needs to be more important than anything. It needs to be more important than your family. It needs to be more important than your kids. It needs to be more important than, than anything on this God-given earth. If you are a, a person that suffered with hardcore addiction or just addiction or, or alcoholism, you need to be recovered. You know, if you become recovered, um, you just stay recovered. If uh, What happened for me and what I see for a lot of my good friends in recovery is um, we become awakened. And when we become awakened, we, we, the obsession gets removed. Um, you know, we, we aren't always in our heads. We know how to process feelings. And, and overall, no matter what, a drink or a drug isn't going to solve anything. And I was taught early on that drinking and using is not an option anymore. Like, I'm done. Mm. Like, I cannot. Yeah. That's it. I can try any other thing to try to solve my problems. But I, I'm absolutely convinced that there's no way that drugs and alcohol are going to solve anything. They're, they just intensify it and make it worse. And if you have mental health issues and you don't want to keep using drugs or keep drinking, just know that your, your mental health will expand, will get worse. It'll, get, it'll never get better. It just intensifies. And you, know, you can experience psychosis, schizo effects, all those different things. And if you think that that can't happen, that can happen to any human being. If you do enough drugs, you can work your mind. Jasmine has a, a great question here. Um, thanks for everything you do. Uh, thank you, Jasmine, for, for tuning in. She, uh, she asks, would I be wrong for getting sober for my kids instead of myself? I mean, I do have three years sober and still going. I love that question. And thank you, Jasmine. Great question. Uh, I, I got to say this right now. So it's not a bad thing to get sober for our kids or for our loved ones or for our family members. It's not a bad thing. As a matter of fact, I got sober for, to make my mother happy in the beginning. Okay. But I was taught um, that at the end of the day, if we're getting sober, we shouldn't do it to try to please others. It's, this is an inside job, a personal, a personal, you know, you want to, you, you got to do this thing for yourself. If you do it for yourself, everything else follows, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to do things so because people have high expectations for me. Like this is what happened for me. I basically I got sober to make to please my mother, right? I still had all my old ideas. Uh, I still had thoughts and things like that. Over a period of time, I, I created this list of things that I feared, and one of them was uh, if I relapse, you know, if my mother died, would I relapse? Mm -hmm. Would I relapse? So. Um, if I if my mother passed away, would she want her son to be on drugs again? Like, did I do this for my mom or did I do it for myself? So really, at the end of the day, I, I have to do it for myself. 
to each their own. I don't think it's wrong. I think it definitely people that do have kids, if you have kids and you're in active addiction or alcoholism and you're not stopping and you continue in the problem, then that within itself is a very selfish act because you have major responsibilities and you have kids to raise. I have my old counselor, Sia, used to always say, you people that are sitting in this room right now that have that are new in recovery, that have kids, party's over. You've got bigger fish to fry. You've got to raise these kids, and you have to be in your right mind to do it. So it's time to quit. If you don't quit, you know, those kids will never have a true mother or father. It's definitely good incentive, definitely something good to work towards. But at the end of the yeah. day, it's a personal – for me, it was personal. I had to get sober for myself. Anyway, uh, that, I think I that's awesome. i got to go run a group right now. Okay. Do you have uh, Do you have a couple more minutes? Yeah. Go ahead. You gotta go. Okay. So I wanna. Uh, we'll wrap up. I wanna ask uh, your opinion on one uh, specific scenario, and then we'll we'll wrap everything up here. So sure. Say the uh, the parent has has cut the child off. Okay. Yes. The child is actively uh, or loved one is actively using on the street, and this right. is known. Right. There's uh, there uh, there is a warrant out for their arrest. Right. Okay. Should the parent contact authorities to pick them up, to get I, them off of the street and use, to keep them in, in prison where there's no drugs or there is, presumably there is no drugs. drugs. In prison. There is drugs in prison. Sure, sure, sure. But let's not, but, but should they, I've seen it done. I'm not opposed to it. Sometimes it helps. Sometimes it helps. I, 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 I would do it. I would, okay. If it's going to get them off the street, I would do it because that might be their wake up call that they just got arrested. And now they have court cases pending and they have, you know, I, I'm not against it. I'm not against it. My, I'm not against it. I'm not telling other people that they must do it. Sometimes I yeah. don't recommend it. I do say I would do it. Definitely. Gotcha. All right. Just wanted to get your opinion on that. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. This was a, an action packed episode. Lots of amazing questions. Uh, we covered a lot of good info on here. Um, if you haven't checked out our website yet, it's still a little bit of a work in progress, but I have a lot of episodes up there. Um, check us out, SoberGrind.com. Uh, it's going to be housing all of our past and future episodes as well as, well as have uh, a lot of really great and helpful resources and information for you. Uh, check it out. Spread the word, SoberGrind.com. Also, share this podcast if there's anyone that you know that could benefit from it, could learn from it, or, or help save a life. That's exactly why we do this. Thank you so much. If you could write us a review on iTunes, it would mean the world. Uh, as little as, as it sounds, just a, a single review, a positive review, can help us reach more people on these platforms. So if you could write us an iTunes review, that would be amazing. Uh, check out our, our recovery group. There's a lot of amazing experts in there that will answer questions for you 24-7. Uh, the link's in the description. You can also just search on Facebook, Sober Grind. Sober You'll grind. find the podcast. Sober Grind. Sober Grind. Sober Grind. Sober Grind. Pej, thanks Wait, again so much one. for sharing some Go wisdom. Go to my Instagram page. It's called oh, yeah. underscore interventionist, right? Yes. Pej's new Instagram is amazing. Drug underscore intervention. Intervention, yeah. Go look yes. at my funky, funny pictures and the sayings and things like that. And please support. Just, and if you are on Instagram, please follow me. All right? <laughs> All right. Sober grind out. Let's save lives. Yes. All right. This was good. Until next Have time, my friend. Sober grind out. Sober grind.